We opened up uh, the short sermon series uh, talking about how getting closer benefits us, particularly these, these couple of sermons. We've, we've talked about getting closer to God, but we've been talking specifically about how this benefits me and, and, and notice, noticing uh, that, that God really has done these things to benefit me. God hasn't allowed me to get close to him because he needs it. You know, like, like he's, he's going to be lost in the universe if I don't get close to God. That, that's not the purpose of it. The purpose of this is so that I can benefit from really ultimately an eternity with God. That is, that's the ultimate getting close, isn't it? So um, the obvious place we started from was uh, in getting deeper into our word. And we talked about some of the metaphors and we're mixing metaphors and that's fine. Um, I want to go back uh, because we were running short on time and I want to just mention a couple of things uh, that I didn't get into. First of all, we talked about studying and I, I want to, we talked a little vaguely about that and, and I want to, there's so many ways to study. There's really not a right way to study. There's, there's all different things. There's, you, you can look at commentaries, if, just as long as you're a little cautious with them. That, that's one good way. We can, we can cross-reference. You can look at topics. Some people do uh, uh, have devos on their phone and all, all sorts of different ways. Uh, any way that you get deep into the Word rather than just skimming over the text. Listen, reading is better than nothing. Studying is better than reading. Uh, you know, like, probably memorization somewhere in between there. Uh, memorization, committing it to memory. We talked about all these things. I met a guy uh, who didn't really memorize the Bible intentionally. He didn't like, okay, I, I can say this word. He actually studied, the way he studied the Bible, he was a lawyer. He, he said, I read, uh, and it was specifically with the shorter New Testament books. He read an entire book of the New Testament every day for a month. He's like, okay, this is my Ephesians month. And he would read it for the whole month, every day, the whole thing, boom. And he's like, you don't really have to try to memorize it after a month. You, you really know that book. It was an interesting way. Uh, so so just, there's any number of ways. Um, there's there's uh, uh, Bible reading plans. If you want to do a Bible reading plan, there's any number of them. Well, I'm going to do a little Old Testament section today. And I'm going to, do a, I'm going to close with a New Testament section. And kind of maybe in the lunchtime, I'll do a little bit of Psalms or something like that. They, they kind of have all these different plans. So I want to go and, and kind of along with that announce something that we haven't done in a while. Those of you who have been with us for a little bit longer, uh, probably most of you remember, I think it was 2017 or 18, I can't remember which, uh, that we went through the Bible. I think we did it in eight months. Uh, we ran, ran through it um, and kind of we're going to do that again, sort of. And, and I've got a little work to do on it. We're going to do it in a year and we're going to run through it chronologically. I don't know if you've ever read the Bible chronologically. You're going to be surprised that Esther does not live before Daniel. <laughs> it's like, what? Uh, it's in my Bible that way. I know. Uh, but it, the Bible is compiled differently. It's compiled kind of smartly uh, by, by 
types of books. And so we have a history section, we have a prophecy section, all these different things. And so we're going to run through it and we're going to throw in a psalm where the, where the psalm fits and we'll throw in a chapter of Acts where the, the, or, or, or where that fits with one of the, the letters of, of, of Paul or something. And it's going to be a little disjointed, so it's going to take me about six months to, to piece this all together. Uh, but um, but we're going we're gonna to have that and it will be up on the website so you can look at what the reading for it is. And like we did last time, we're going to kind of take messages. Uh, the, the sermon will be kind of taken from that week's reading. So you, you'll want to be caught up. And it's just a good idea uh, to do that, I think, from time to time. So, so that's just kind of a, a public service announcement that I, I didn't get to last week. Uh, but it is not where I want to jump to today is that it is not just good enough to get deeper into the word. That is important. As I say, memorization is better than reading. Study is better than memorization. But we can even do more than any of those things. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The next two weeks, we're going to be focusing on how these deeper thoughts impact me on a personal level. That's the idea of the sermon series is what is this really doing for me? And the application that we want to get to um, is to get to a deeper reflection. It's not just the, the word. The, the, that's, a, that's like a, a tool. It, it, but it's, it's using the tools now to benefit myself personally. That's what it's there for. These people gave their lives to, to the dedication of, to this word, to, to preaching this word. And other men gave their lives to the preservation. People, people died trying to translate this into languages when, when there were a lot of enemies against translating it into common languages and to trying to proliferate it through, through printing it and, and in, in some places hiding it from the authorities and, and, and all sorts of things that people have sacrificed for. Why? Why is that important? Because it's beneficial. It's, it's something to take advantage of. And so I want to begin today talking about a mirror image. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8 through 13. We're going to get a little deep into this text. I think it's important. Uh, it says, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. We know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. Or it will pass away, excuse me. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child, I reasoned as a child. When I became a man, I, became, uh, I gave up childish ways. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. I know in part. Then uh, I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now by uh, faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. And I apologize if I accidentally jump back to King James uh, in my memories. These memorization is there. So uh, from, from being a kid at camps and everything. So... Uh, I want to get into this. Uh, first of all, I want to talk about uh, the misuse of this text a little bit. Uh, this is not talking about heaven nor Christ. We're going to illustrate that uh, as we go through some of the metaphors of this. Uh, it is not talking about us knowing everything in heaven. We have a wonderful song. You probably sung it face to face with Christ my Savior. And that's not. It's, t- it's a wonderful song. It's a beautiful song. And it's taken from this text. But unfortunately, it is inappropriately taken from this text. 
This is not what this is talking about. We're going to talk about what this is talking about. Uh, primarily, this is used to refer to heaven or the return of Christ, one of the two, with this reference to perfect because that makes it convenient for certain groups to uh, rationalize the idea that the miraculous gifts and prophecies and tongues are still for today. That's the purpose of translating this, uh, interpreting this rather, as the future uh, of when Christ comes in heaven. Because if, if, if Christ hasn't come yet, obviously, and, and that is this point at which these miracles are, are done away with, well then, obviously we still have them today. So, uh, with that in mind, I want to go through that. We're going to make a much more important point than that. We're going to make a more important spiritual point than that. Uh, but this is important to establish. I want to ana analyze five metaphors uh, in this passage first. And we'll try to run through these a little bit quickly because this is not the main point. So let's run through this. He says, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, in verse 8, he says, As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. He's talking about time limits, first of all. all right? it, it, it's something ending. So when it says, love never fails, we tend to read that through the idea of the importance of love. And while love can accomplish anything, love never fails. That's not the point. It's love never ends. And some translations say it that way. That's the failing. Failing has to do with running out, ending, stopping. And this kind of, we see the metaphor bringing this out. That, because uh, he says, love never fails, but as for prophecies, they will. They will fail. If, if you read the old kingdom, they will fail. They, they will stop. They will pass away. Tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Uh, so, so we clearly see that this is talking about a time limit, some duration of validity. Well, uh, let's move on. Uh, talking about what perfect means. What is this perfect? It says we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. And this is a lot of times we see the word perfect and we think what? What do you think when you hear the word perfect? Think Jesus, I heard it. Because we think sinless. That's not what this word means. This word means complete. And that, again, the idea is here, if you read the text, the idea is not about being sinless. It's about being complete. Because he says, we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect or the complete. So, so the contrast illustrates what the definition is. Something is partial, something is completed. Right? That is, it has nothing to do with something being sinless. Uh, it doesn't say something is sinful, because then, you know, then, then the perfect would be something sinless. So the nature of the comparison is, again, something that's there, but not completely. Remember that the perspective is of Paul writing this in the mid-60s, so about 30 years after the death of Christ. Prophetic knowledge wasn't even He wasn't even finished with his own prophetic utterances. He's got more to give. First, First Corinthians is pretty early in the, in the writings of the Bibles. John hasn't written any of his yet. John is like, he's, sitting, he's like batting cleanup. He's going to write the, the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Revelation, all coming. He's like, yeah, you wait. I got my own. Peter hasn't written any of his yet. 
Second Corinthians hasn't written been yet, been written yet. So there's a lot to come. So knowledge isn't complete. Third metaphor. I want to look at some of these. We're going to break this one down because this is the one that really is kind of technical. Now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. The greatest of these is love. Again, we go to greatest. We talk about quality, right, like we do with fail. Failing is a quality when we think of it like, oh, I failed today, instead of a quantity of time. But the idea is a quantity of time, not a quality. And so when he talks about the greatest of these, it's on the basis of the comparison of time. Something is greater. If something is greater in time, it means it lasts longer. It's like, oh, I bought this from Walmart. Oh, I bought this from, you know, one's greater. It's going to last longer. Uh, right? that, that's, that's the nature. I bought this from the dollar store. Going to have it, you know. We used, to, we used to, at Christmas time in Ukraine, I used to buy our Christmas presents for, for well, first it was... First year, Benjamin, we figured this out. Benjamin was one, so, so first year, going to have Christmas, two years old. We bought toys from the open market. Like, so what they have there is what is not quality enough for the dollar store. Just understand that. You know what we're talking about. So I learned quickly that when we, at Christmas time, I buy the presents, and I buy super glue, and I buy, you know, and I also learned that you have to buy stuff to make like their speakers in toys are like really loud. So I had to buy something and make it muted. <laughs> but but I, I just knew I was going to have to buy super glue because like we were going to have it a day and it was going to be broken. Right? It's not that quality. The time. I mean, it was not quality, but, but the time was not going to last. Well, <clears throat> so he says, now abide. And this is a phrase that's really important. Because this is going to help us understand what the perfect can or can't be and what these durations. He says, now abide these three things. In other words, abide is a continuing ident- identifier. It, it, it's, it's a continually, it, it's not like a perfect action. I'm sorry, my, my grammar is not the greatest, but, but well, like a, a completed action, boom. But there's this, it's abiding, it's staying. So he's like, three things have staying power here. Faith, hope, and love. He's, he's contrasting these three things with the miracles, the, the tongues, and the, the prophecies, and the information, and all that stuff. He's contrasting. He said, listen, those things are temporary, as we just talked about, but these things abide. These continue. So they're, so, so he's saying, like, from where I am and looking forward... Uh, me, Paul, right? These things are going to keep going. But the greatest of these is love. In other words, what is he saying? Remember the comparison is time. There's going to become a point in time where faith and hope are no longer necessary. But love will. Love is never going to end. Love never ends. No, love will stop. But faith and hope, though they abide now, though they're going to continue for a long, long time, there's coming a point where we don't need faith and hope. Listen, I get to heaven, I don't need to hope for heaven anymore. It's done, it's on the shelf. I don't need to have faith in God who I can't see anymore. Why? Because I can see him right there, face to face. But that's not, back up, that's not what it's talking about. So, love is greater than faith and hope in time. So, he's saying there's this period where 
faith, hope, and love, bye. But love never ends. The greatest of these is love. Well, that helps me identify something. If that point where faith and hope, which surpass the miracles, if that point, if that termination for them is heaven, then I know that the perfect can't be heaven. Because that would make faith and hope equal with the miracles. And, and, and he says, no, these are greater. These surpass that. Those are temporary, but these are abiding. And so he's got this other termination point for the inferior things, and they are inferior. And we're going to look at two metaphors that illustrate their inferiority. These are going to pass away at some other point. They're very temporary. Well, let's talk about maturity and intellect. This is when I was a child. I spoke as a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned as a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And so he, he, he is illustrating the church and Christianity as an entity at that point with, with the state of being a child. And, and well, what is the state of being a child? Well, when you're a child, you're dependent on a superior intellect, right? You're, you're dependent on someone to figure out things for you. Your, your knowledge base is very limited, your ability to apply things, not to say you're dumb, it's just you, you haven't completely developed. That's, that's why we don't like set kids off into the world at three. Right? This seems like a perfectly good place to play in the middle of the street. Right? Yeah. We, we like try to protect them until they're old enough to go out on their own, hopefully, and survive. It's like, okay, you've made it. You can survive. I've taught you the basics that you need to know to go out and survive. You're no longer dependent on the superior intellect. You've developed, by that point, your own intellect that should allow you to weigh things if I've done my job. That's a different sermon. And so he says the church is like this. The church is in the state where, where it relies on prophets. And it relies on these miracles and really the inferior things. It's inferior. It's an inferior state of the church. It's not superior. A lot of people running around like, oh, this is great. We do this. Because, no, impossible. <laughs> That's an inferior state of the church. Because it's a, a, a state of the church that is still dependent on a few small people, a small group of people in each congregation to tell them what to do every day. Oh, you, oh no, you, you don't do that. I got a message from the Lord. You can't do that. Oh, okay. That's... That's not what we want. He says, but there's coming a point in time where you're going to be able to figure this out for yourself. Like an adult. The church will be like an adult. And the last metaphor that we get to as we talk about the mirror image. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Oh, now is it, it's starting to come together. I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And this goes back to that idea. He hasn't given all Scripture, and Peter hasn't started, and John hasn't started giving all the Scripture. That's 
the thing that's going to be completed. He's like, when, when that's completed, when that's done and over, you have that, you can read it for yourself. You don't, you don't really have to rely. You don't have to get up and say, oh, I wonder what Paul, Paul thinks about this. I'm going to have to walk over across Corinth or send a letter to him across the ocean and see what he thinks about this. That's inferior state. No, he's, here's what the scroll, here's what the scrolls say. Oh, I can investigate it for myself. It's completed. It's superior. Well, at that point, we don't need the inferior. And that which is in part is done away. <clears throat> you know, we obviously know that this has to be talking <clears throat> metaphorically about being done away. Because I'm not going to be deaf, dumb, and stupid in heaven. Right? <laughs> He's not talking about knowledge being done away. He's obviously talking about the miraculous nature of things being done away. If, if all tongues cease, all languages cease, then heaven's going to be a pretty silent place. And we're all going to be stupid because knowledge is going to be gone. And he's talking about the, the miraculous nature or aspect of those things. So here's the question. Here's the important thing where, where we start to look at this. Who do I see in a mirror? I don't see you in the mirror. I look in a mirror and I see myself. That's the point of a mirror. Now, he says, we see in a mirror dimly. Now, that doesn't mean the lights were dim. Oh, someone turned the lights out. That's not the point. Uh, this is a mirror. This is a replica of a mirror. But How would you like to rely on your public appearance in that? Ugh. You could, you could kind of see if I dimmed the lights. You can kind of see a guy taking a picture of himself in a mirror. <coughs> kind of fuzzy. It's dim. It's talking about clarity because they had to rely on... Their mirrors were not glass. Uh, King James says glass. I didn't see in a glass, did it? No, it wasn't glass. It didn't have that. Uh, they had highly polished brass or silver. That was a mirror. You know, man, like, like uh, looking in the chrome bumper of your car, trying to do your hair before a really important business meeting. That's what they had. And that's if you were rich. Like, ooh, I can look at myself. And... If you were poor, man, you just... You just kind of go wing it. Trust your, trust your husband. Do you look all right? Yeah, I look great. So I want to look at what this really means. Hebrews 4.12 is a different metaphor. Okay? I'm not going to try to squeeze this metaphor in the other one because it's a completely different one. But it will illustrate all these points. It says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, the joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. He's talking about, this is kind of a grosser picture, actually. I want to, you know, okay, so you guys get the idea here. It exposes everything that's on the inside. Much, not, uh, much less attractive picture here than, than the one in Corinthians. But the idea is the same, is, is that what's on the inside is visible to be corrected, to be fixed. That's the idea. 
of the mirror. I, I can look at myself. I, I, it's all exposed for me to analyze. To reflect on. But he says this, the, 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 the word of God, it, it, it's, it's so much better. The, the law had these lists of things. And, and even during the, prof, the, the time of the prophets, it was pretty elemental. Pretty basic. But the scriptures, the completed scriptures, it's enough to help you expose the reasons you do some of those things. It's like it's really down deep. That's, that's deep. Getting down between the joints and the marrow and all of that. But he says, down, down where all the action happens underneath it all. So he says, go deeper. We need a deeper reflection upon ourselves. To think about the why I'm doing. It's not just good enough even for me to try to modify my behavior. But to you, you want to help modify your behavior? Understand why I do the things I do. I keep doing that. That was stupid. Why did I do it? Well, you want to know it's stupider? I did it the day before. I've been doing this my whole life. What in the world? <clears throat> There's a problem underneath all that that keeps on doing that. Now I, have, I go to the chiropractor. I have to go every week. And the chiropractor explains, listen, you have had a lifetime of sitting the wrong way. Your muscles like that way now. And your back is going to go. And he showed it. Like he took a thing and he's like, this is what your back does. I was like, that's why you have to keep coming to me. Look, right now, my shoulder's up here. See that? I don't even do it. I don't even try to do it. It just does that. I don't know why. Just a lifetime of bad habits. And there's this thing underneath. We do the same things. Why? I have things underneath, motives and all these thoughts. And God says, I have a way to analyze that. You need to analyze and constantly be correcting. Because it's all done with me. It says, if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. A burnished bronze. I guess that's why you're looking intently. Like, ah, I can't even see. Is that, is that me or is that the mirror? For he looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what he's like. But the one who looks in the perfect law of the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets that he's a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion is that uh, which is pure and undefiled before God and the Father. It's this, to visit the widows and the orphans in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So I want to live our analysis. That's, imp that's important. James is all about the practical side of things. It's very much about listening. He doesn't get really deep into doctrine. He's just, this, is, this is one of the first, I think some people even think this is the first book in the New Testament written. Really practical, really basic. These are some things that you want to take care of. And I want to look at this phrase, looks intently. This is important. If you read this in some version, it says, it's like a man beholding his face in a mirror and goes away. Now, it's fine. It's not bad. You see yourself and go away. And we can get the good out of that. We can understand what he's saying. You see yourself and you don't fix it. It's stupid. But how much more 
The, this word actually means like to scrutinize, to, to really look, imagine like, like really in the mirror and like that's really wrong. That was, you just spent how much time scrutinizing yourself? How dumb can we be when I, I'm looking, I'm studying the scriptures, and I'm memorizing it. I'm, I'm not just like light reading. I'm scrutinizing it. I'm, I'm studying it. I'm memorizing it. I can tell you all the details. Hmm? Didn't change the thing. Didn't do a thing. Why? And this is what, he's, this is what James is saying. It says, you guys scrutinizing the scriptures and it's not doing anything, this is really highly illogical. Who would do that? The scriptures is to be studied and memorized and made a part of my life. Like, like, like David said, oh, it's, I've hidden your word in my heart. This is why we began. Yes, that's all important. We go to camps and, and we study and we memorize and we go up to a camp and they memorize a whole chapter. We get a prize at the end of the week. And I, I can remember some of the verses we've read. And you recall that? I was like, oh yeah, I know where that is because I memorized it. Did it make a difference? Did I change because of those verses that I committed to me? I spent a lot of time Spent a lot of effort earning those pies. It's an inside joke. They, they, a reward. You get your own pie for memorizing a chapter. Good. Imagine that. Okay. Did you get anything out of it other than a pie? Did it, did it change you? Did it make a difference? Well, James gives some ideas where to start. He's just very basic. He says, okay, so, so the way you talk, that's a good place to start. Everyone's got that problem. I don't go, you, you guys on this side. I know if I talk about the tongue, I can talk about all of us. Because that's what James said. We've all sinned there. It's not like I have to worry about, like, I might not get this half of the room. I got you. Guess what? I got me too. We all start there. He's like, let's start where we all have the problem. He's like, start there. And he's like, while you're at it, if you want to really start acting this out, if you want to really start analyzing some ways you can change things, start thinking about other people, too. The marginalized in society and various things like that we talk about. He's like, these are some good places to talk. These are some big ones to knock off. Okay, that's a lot. But I want to look really quick. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, All scriptures breathed by God. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, and instruction or training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Talk about behavior modification and, and, and the, the purpose of this. The, the good that we get out of it is about the practical application. The life, the, the living of what I've analyzed. And, he's, and I don't want to, he, he breaks it down into four areas. He says, for teaching. Some say for doctrine, right? But it's basically the things that sum up your beliefs. The scripture is good to have an idea of what is truth and what isn't truth. It's good for teaching. It's good for the information. And a lot of times we, we stop 
at the information. We stop at the memorizing and we stop here at the studying and the reading. And we have to go on. That's, that's, that's level one. That's level one. We used to do a thing in, um, in school because in the 80s we had so many kids in the classroom. Remember, I, I remember 28 kids in the classroom. Anybody else? <laughs> like Now it's like 10 and then like, this, this small classrooms. No? You don't have, do you have big classrooms? 30? Holy smokes. Or more. I don't remember that. I mean, I, 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 I don't remember kids having that, those. I thought they, they told, they've always told me class sizes are going down. Okay, I'm wrong. I've been corrected. In elementary school, they are. small in elementary? Yes. Okay. I just remember it massive size. So we did a thing. So to save the teacher time, we'd switch papers. Remember switching papers and, and checking each other's? And then we'd complain that the other one was marking us wrong, getting low grades and all that stuff. He says it's good for reproof. That means double checking. Right? It's good for double checking. Okay, I got this idea. Oh, wonderful. Guess what the scriptures are good to do? They're really good at shedding some light on your ideas. Because I develop a, a lifetime of these opinions and ideas and uh, the scriptures are a good one to go to to figure out if those are accurate or not. Good for double checking. Second level. Second level stuff there. Let's go third level. It's good for rerouting. I hate Siri and all those others that are related to her. But it's good for correction. It's not just good to tell me what's... We were talking about that today. It's not just good enough to tell me what's wrong. It's good to tell me how it, to get back and proceed to the root. Okay. These are the changes you're going to have to make. Okay, it's like, it's like being in Maine. Well, you can't get there from here. Oh, so what, do I just live here now or what? No, this is the way you get to where you want to go. And that's the scriptures. It, it doesn't just point out the error. Okay, you messed up. Okay, now what? Good news. Good news, I got some good news for you. Right? And it's called the good news. For that reason, I can get back. And then developing the life habits. From there on, okay, we've gotten back to the root. Let's develop the, the training in righteousness, the, the justice, all these right ideas that, that okay, we, we, we've kind of rerouted and got back. And from here, what do I do? And how do I think? And, and, and what should motivate me? All of those things. The scripture's good for all of those that what? That the man of God can be equipped for every good work. Every good work is a lot of works. In fact, it excludes none. You need to do something? If you need to know how to do something, there's not one thing, not one thing that you need to know how to do that you will not get from the scriptures. You don't need a message from God. That's inferior. I, I don't need someone to come down and say, Andrew, I got a special message from you. Why? Because a bunch of men, a long time ago, came down and gave me special messages. And they're done. And it's over. And all those messages are right there. You can open it up and look at it. Everyone. I don't need a special message anymore. Not a single message. Why? Because every good work is found 
in that book. Everyone. And we all have it on our phones. And we all have multiple copies on our bookshelves. Like, I have one for my church. I keep it here, except when I take it home. Then I have two at home, and I have to borrow one from here. And I have, like, oh, I have massive amounts and copious copies of the scriptures. What a wealthy time to live in. And they all tell me the same thing with slightly different words. This is what you need to do, Andrew. This is what you need to do to analyze yourself and figure out how to polish up your mirror. Polish it up. You buy these now. You buy mirrors with imperfections now and throw them on your wall. That's, that's like, they even have tutorials on how to mess up your mirror and throw it on your wall. I did one. And it's not really good, Brian. Is that a spot on the mirror or is that me? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what, what that mirror is for. We're going back to the Stone Ages here. Why would I want that? looks nice on your wall. You've got to polish up the mirror, I think. The problem's not really actually the mirror. The problem's me. I haven't spent some time polishing up. The mirror itself is fine. This perfect. It was inspired by God. It was breathed by God. And I, I just need to look at me. Spend some time. However you do it. All those different ways. Turn off the cell phone. Unless you're using it for the Bible. You hit airplane. Spend some time. I do this. It's one of the things to do. When, when uh, is a mirror. Pretend it's a mirror. We, we, every once in a while, I, I like get distracted. Because there's a light flicking around. It's not one today. Someone's reflecting off, right? We sometimes take our mirror and we try to angle it. And I see Margie. I can see Margie right there. I read my Bible and I saw Margie. Margie, you need to fix that. Right? That's, that's what I do with my... This is the first person I saw in my reflection here. I guess that's not what a mirror is for. Andrew, look at you. Oh, there's me. That's what a mirror is for. We, we like to angle it over here and, and, and see other people and what they need to do. I need to look at me. I need to ask the question. Here's this statement. Uh, whatever the statement is, pick a statement. What am I supposed to do because of this? This verse is here, and what am I supposed to do because this is in the Bible? That's the question I need to ask. In time, I might be able to help somebody else with, with something. We guess this. You remove it out of your eye first, and you can deal with other people. This is a tool for much deeper, deeper reflection. Let's stand and sing together. <coughs> Hear the sweet voice.